Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blessed Child Podcast. This is your host, Renee. I have two guests on the show today. We're going to talk about purity, the demand for purity from Robert J. Lifton's eight criteria of thought reform. This is the third criteria. We're going to thoroughly dissect it, and so I have to give a major trigger warning. In doing so, we talk about sexual abuse, slavery, assault, coercive control, murder, violent homicide, We talk about gender, binary, gender stereotypes, and heteronormativity. So please listen to this episode with caution. Also a reminder, if you are enjoying Blessed Child Podcasts, go to the Patreon and subscribe or go to my coffee. Also, what you can do for free is like, share, and comment and rate this episode. But before we dive in and introduce a new guest. I got some emails about the last episode and I wanted to make a correction that Nobusuke Kishi, although he was in China during the war, he was not in Unit 731, but he was running the, basically the slave trade in Manchuria, which still enslaved millions and also led to what we know as comfort women, which are sex slaves. So he also worked with the opium trade, and uh, that was one very important detail I got I got wrong in the last episode. So I wanted to make that clear, which it makes way more sense that Moon wanted to work with this dude because we had comfort women in the church, comfort blessings. So there's way more parallels. makes way more sense. The other quick correction was that Robert J. Lifton, although he flew to Hong Kong, that's not technically China. So it was actually a British colony. So those are the two corrections. And without further ado, let's get into it. Today, I have a new guest. You have never met them before. I'm so excited to introduce Tori. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I've been listening to your show for a little while. So I'm really excited to meet you and be in this space with you. And definitely was really excited about the last episode too. So I grew up in the Unification Church. I am considered a Jacob's child. And so I have my own kind of weird identity and growing up with that. I'm also biracial. My dad is black and my mom is white. Being mixed race isn't like super weird in our organization, but but definitely just, yeah, my own heritage and my own identity kind of comes into play with a lot of that stuff. I have bachelor's in psychology and visual and performing arts. Can I ask you more? For sure, yeah. Okay, cool. So you started listening to Blessed Child. Can I ask where or when? Yeah, so it's actually interesting. I just like got, I I think it was on TikTok. I started seeing one person who was talking about, you know, being ex-Mooney And it was like the first time I'd seen anyone in a public space talking about growing up in this cult and talking about it like, hey, this is a cult and it's dangerous and bad. And that was, I think, in late July. So it's been kind of like a fast track into further deconstructing things that I had already kind of realized since getting out of the cult. I'm 30 years old and I've been out since, I would say like, for the most part since I was 17, but also like really out since I was like 19, 20. So yeah, but this has been kind of like, a, an, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it, but definitely a, a huge part of my own healing is hearing from other people and realizing like, oh, I'm not alone. And like being able to say, 
100% without a doubt. This is a cult and it's really bad and like hurts people and stuff. So. Wow. Oh man. That's awesome. Thank you so much for telling us that. Yeah. That's, that's the journey. It's, it's really nice to have you here. I'm, I love growing this space and hearing about that. The other question I have is you might be the first Jacob's child on the show. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I don't, I think you are. That's a very, very unique, isolated category of its own. Do you want to deconstruct that for our people? Yeah. Um, I think also there's kind of an interesting thing about it because the only other, I know that there's others, but the only other person I've heard from is Aries Meyer on the Falling Out pod and kind of his his experience is really different from mine because I was still born into the church. So I still grew up like fully like from birth, like doing pledge and everything. It's just that my parents were not blessed when they had kids. And actually my mom told me recently it's because Korean, like a Korean sister or something told her like just have kids now because she was almost 40. So she was like, just have kids now. Don't like, you don't know when the next blessing is going to be. So I actually watched my parents get blessed on like public access TV. So yeah. <laughs> but what's super weird about it is that I didn't know that I was any different from anyone else being born and raised in this cult until someone else who was like a little older than me, like an older sister kind of figure was like, hey, I know you're a Jacob's child and like, let me help you like talk about that. And I was just like, what? So yeah, that that's just, I think like the, the, the tip of the iceberg of like that whole experience, but yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I started hearing about Jacob's children from Aries Myers as well. He has a podcast, go check that out. And then uh, Tetsuya Yamagami was also Jacob's child, but your situation is so unique, like mm -hmm. that you were yeah. conceived after, like before the blessing, but still raised in the church. And yet you're still stigmatized with that Jacob's born, child. I was born with original sin. It's like yeah, such what? a bummer. It's crazy. What a, <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer. Oh yeah. my God. You're right. Um, I do have one question on that. Do you feel like you were isolated in any way, like emotionally on a different level or anything like that from your peers? Uh, yeah, um, not until, so my family grew up, like we moved around a lot when I was growing up and it wasn't really until we got to the East Coast, like Massachusetts, New England area that that kind of, and also when I started getting into like puberty and adolescence and stuff. So then everything became about the blessing and the fucking matching and everything. And like, you know, so that's kind of when it started to be more like, oh, you're not like them kind of thing. So, yeah. Wow. So with the matching and blessing, is there like a special Jacob's pool, like a Jacob's children pool? I honestly, yeah, I think that there is. And that was the thing that this older girl talked to me about a little bit. But honestly, like, I never really even got that far. So like, we have like, different experiences, because I've heard your story through listening to your show. And like, you know, you went to the blessing and then got out. And it's like, I feel like you went into kind of like the belly of the beast almost like, and I just like, by like 17, it was just like very clear that 
there were no options for me within this like social you know strata and and then by 19 my parents moved away and i was kind of just on my own so i just you know entered the world basically <laughs> so thank you for that very very like brief <laughs> glimpse into what that was like i think that's going to tie well, well into our topic for today which is the demand for purity in so many ways this applies and i think it also applies in the social hierarchy within the movement between even blessed children and Jacob's children. I mean, it is a demand for purity because you were born with original sin. You were looked at as polluted and you could only mate with other polluted children. And I, I think let's intro. We've had somebody on silent for a little while. Hawk just back. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. You sound amazing. Oh, thank God. I really just... <laughs> chose whatever Google told me to get. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Officially entering the professional podcasting sphere. Talk uh. to <laughs> nice. Gamer headphones, Mike, she's ready. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. Um, I was listening. So yeah, your story, I, I totally, I get it, right? Like, I think most people who leave, they, they are like people who got blessed or went through the process or had kids and now they are just out with their family. But I feel you. I, I, I just made it out right before that happened because <laughs> I also felt like I didn't have that option either. It was like mm -hmm. I was also tainted. I was already marked. So no one's going to want me anyway. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. That's awful. Yeah. We are all marked. I mean, the standard is impossible. And that's right, something. Exactly. Yeah, the standard is impossible. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Perfection. That was a word that was thrown around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so wild. Like when you are out of that space <laughs> to like, to realize like words like perfect, perfection, perfect, ideal, ideal being like a big, big one that's just thrown around is like that's possible you know hey guys let me just explain a little bit better the idea of perfection is consistent with the totalist ideology and policy and the philosophical assumption underlying this demand is that absolute purity perfection and completion is attainable and that anything done to anyone in the name of this purity and in this pursuit of perfection is ultimately moral in reality as we have now come to understand perfection is not real or attainable but it doesn't make the pursuit of perfection any less real in fact it becomes a malignant condition that has real world consequences when the organization defines and manipulates the criteria of purity and then conducts an all-out war against impurity, the ideological totalists create a narrow world of guilt and shame. So in the church, when you believe perfection is real like we did or the ideal family is real like we did, you will strive permanently and painfully for something which 
not only does not exist, but is in fact alien to the human condition. This demand for purity and perfection creates what we term a guilty milieu and a shaming milieu. It is this totalist ideological worldview, this perfection philosophy that enables a lot of self-harm, a lot of self-harming behaviors, as well as abusive behaviors. It enables child abuse, homophobia, misogyny. It enables racism. It enables looking at people like their value is seen in black and white. And so it creates the dynamics necessary for a lot of harm and destructive choices. I just wanted to put that in there. And so let's get back to the episode. Okay. I mean, people will just say it's like, oh, we aim for that, but we're not actually saying you should do that or whatever. But that's a lie. <laughs> that is a, that is a very Everybody lie. expects like everything to be perfect or else you're not good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. three-day fast seven-day fast 40-day <laughs> oh condition I remember this one couple because during youth group they would have some couples like talk about their story or whatever how they got blessed and this one guy he he couldn't go through with the seven-day fast so he was like I did a I think it was 10,000 like kumbe like condition yeah 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 or yeah something like that and it was like totally insane we were like wow oh my goodness like he's so great (laughs) uh just to get blessed god damn yeah that's that's, man i bet his knees are still (laughs) still feeling it all because he like struggled with like alcoholism or something like that so he was not uh perfect or whatever so yeah he had to repent pay indemnity you know that the alcoholism was probably like magnified it was like yeah you drink a beer on a weekend you're an alcoholic (laughs) yeah probably right like a a glass of wine oh my god you have issues you you have a you have an addiction You watch porn? You have a porn addiction? <laughs> oh my god, I hate that. What is that called? Do you guys know? High noon. It's high noon. High, high noon. noon. <laughs> yes. Wait. Yeah. Because I only because of you, Ren. I've listened to a few episodes of the Luna Stream podcast. Jesus <laughs> I actually love those guys, though. They're on their way out. Oh, Yo, shit. shout out if you're here yeah. listening. Like y'all are on that. the right road. <laughs> I used to love seeing people's photos, like people that attended those workshops. I'm like, guys, come on, <laughs> just outing yourselves. And those guys are, I, I respect them though. Cause they like, they're like blazing the path towards deconstruction, but they don't know it yet. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They're so close. You guys are so close. You just keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Robert J. Lifton. How about that? Let's get on. We we're gonna go for like this is probably gonna be really packed with information. We're shooting for like an hour tops. Um, we want people to understand the eight criteria of thought reform as they are applied to organizations and how those become destructive cults. 
Because if you can recognize the signs of milieu control, mystical manipulation, and today we're going to add the demand for purity and confession. If you can recognize those, then you can protect yourself a lot better in real world situations. So how's that sound for everybody? Sounds great. Okay, awesome. Does anybody? Okay, so we'll do a quick recap on um, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back. But basically, we talked about um, milieu, milieu, milieu control. That's right. Yeah. So milieu control is the basis. Remember, it's at the very bottom of the triangle. It's the control of information, communication, and it's the isolation of a person. And it is the formation. It is the formation stage of thought reform. So like for Tori, your milieu control was being born into the stratosphere of Jacob's child and controlling how you viewed yourself and how you viewed your potential partners and the information they were giving you. That's like, that was that milieu control. Next, we did mystical manipulation, which is basically events that are orchestrated. Yeah, Yeah, they look magical, but they were orchestrated. And the next, yeah, we'll get to, to, to purity. So I'll let you guys take it away from there. Yeah, sure. So I guess the the basis of like the purity, the demand for purity is this whole fight of good versus evil, pure versus impure, right? Like they take on this idea that there is like impurities that come from the outside world that we have to kind of get rid of from ourselves. And the way that they do that is like, just like a whole bunch of different things so pretty much from what I understood is that the idea here is to create a world of absolute purity right and to do that you dispel like I said the external forces that are causing your purity because it could never be internal uh therefore like every issue you have for example like if you were part of the LGBTQ community right it's it's not like internal, this issue. It's, oh, it's the outside forces that are influencing you to be LGBTQ or whatever. So in order to dispel that like issue within yourself, you're, you're going to have to cast out like hatred and publicly denounce this community and all those influences to perpetuate that like idea, that ideal world of purity, right? And I think they just kind of do that with everything. Anything that's deemed impure, like you're going to have to go through the same process and, you know, just cast out hate just further in the name of purity. One of the things that he said was that anything done to anyone in the name of purity is moral. So it doesn't matter how crazy it is. It doesn't matter that you're sending your kids to conversion therapy in Korea. It doesn't matter if you're going to get locked up in a psychiatric hospital with fake doctors. It's all in the name of purity, so it's okay. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for that breakdown, (laughs) Hakja. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that was perfect. (laughs) How about you, Tori? Um, Yeah, there was just another thing that stuck out to me which was within the need for purity is the constant need to identify what is pure and what is impure and basically rebuke everything that is impure, call it out and say what it is. I think that, I mean, I see that in my parents, the way that they talk about, 
you know, of most of reality, <laughs> but for sure, you know, having identified the fallen world versus like the pure world or kingdom of heaven, all those other euphemisms that we grew up using, but also just, you know, small things like I would ask my mom, like, why is this like this? That's not fair. And then she would say, oh, well, that's Satan. So you just have like a nice little like, <laughs> you know, way to just there's everything that is like God centered or whatever. And then anything else is Satan. And, yes. Oh um, my God. You have to have those really clear boundaries and be able to identify them. Piercings. That's a, that's, that's the outside world. That's Satan's influence that we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tattoos, that's a really alcohol, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's Sorry. a really good, that's really good. Okay. So more than just pure and impure or pure and polluted it's black and white thinking like this is the core introduction of black and white thinking is is what i'm hearing okay and also in the book robert j lifton stated something about the relationship between an individual and the environment and the demand for purity creates this complex of guilt and shame like so yes so it's like creating this this complex guilt and shame. It's like laying these foundations for feeling like you're never going to be pure enough. You're never good enough. Anything that's innately part of you, you should be, that is not pure, quote unquote, should be something you're shame, ashamed of. And then you should also identify with your environment as pure and so expect punishment when you yep. display impurities or poison or toxins or porn addiction like you should expect to be punished so I thought that was a really interesting part of what Robert J. Lifton was saying because it's this foundation of complex guilt and shame that paves the way for the next couple steps in thought reform yeah when I saw that I like immediately thought of like the fasting conditions or just the regular conditions anything like that right anytime you mess up it's like that instinct in your brain that's like, oh, I did something really bad. I need to do a 40-day condition to feel better. <laughs> yes, this is part of the demand for purity. You internalize it. And then also you look to the authority figures or the central figures for like limitless punishment. Mm-hmm. So they can cleanse you. And it, he even says this, that the, the authorities without limit yeah, they start dealing punishments. Mm-hmm. Didn't he say that there was a limit to though to that? Like it's based on like your relationship with them, and there's like only so far that trust will take you. But yeah, like you have to be careful, which is why the environment itself has to be, like you said, full of guilt and shame, so that you expect you're like you're expected by the environment to expect punishment so that way when they inflict it it's okay Mm. yeah yeah I I have I guess like something from my own experience to kind of like like even I think one thing is that I didn't have some of the same exact same indoctrination that a lot of people had as kids about you know sex and intimacy and being pure and everything just because like I think my parents are not on the same page with a lot of stuff is kind of like what it is. So I found myself 
going into adolescence thinking like, I'm going to have a boyfriend, I'm going to, you know, date. And then experiencing adults around me. And not that I was like trying to like have a boyfriend, but specifically just being a kid, you know, just being a normal kid stuff and experiencing adults around me being like, you're falling, you're flirting, all this stuff at like 12 years old, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you know, when I think about it, like around that age, I think Ingenum was still like running like love and life, at least for me, like I think that's how old I was. Mm -hmm. And one time she read this email that his dad sent her about how the girls in the church should wear like very feminine things or whatever. And, and then she was just like, she just called him out like why are you looking at women like that like they can wear pants and you shouldn't still be looking at them or whatever I don't know this weird idea of like what you're wearing makes you either like wrong or whatever like I would wear shorts and people would always say something to my parents like why right. is she wearing shorts and I'm and she would be like it's summer it's hot like but when they yeah. look at you the first thing they think is oh, she's doing something wrong. She's She has a boyfriend. She wears a dress. She wears makeup. Why is she doing that? Unless she wants attention. Yeah, whose attention are you trying to get is the question I would get a lot. Yeah, and then it's like, don't, aren't you thinking about your brothers? Like, you know, the other guys in the church, like they can't help themselves. Like, you right, can't that was a lot of what was the messaging about that. Which is so horrible for them too, like telling them they have zero control over themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's super damaging. I know it can't could not have been easy to be a, a man in the church. Not not at all. Not a little boy growing up in that environment. I can't no. yeah, absolutely not. <sighs> yeah. Um, so to tie back to Robert J. Lifton. And also thank you for telling us that very real example of the demand for purity and then the strict enforcement that comes and like this, like n n there's no boundaries. Like these are people you don't even know prosecuting you for talking to the opposite sex, for dressing, for just existing essentially. True. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's, that's all on the demand for purity. So something Robert J. Lifton says is that the guilt pretty much builds inside of you because there is no such thing as perfect or pure. And this guilt builds up kind of like a dam and eventually breaks as denouncing others, being continuously hostile to other people who reflect these impurities towards you, denouncing outside influence. So kind of like Hacho was saying, like if you're in the closet and then you start denouncing LGBTQIA or you watch a little bit of porn or are tempted to, and so you start denouncing it um, very violently. Start and going to high noon. You start going, <laughs> and you start going to high noon and yeah. Doing all that stuff. So that's all like, if you, if this is you, then you should probably read this book by Robert J. Lipton and start figuring out and unraveling that control. Cause it is very real in the step of thought reform demand for purity. Yeah. All those people in my girl Renee's DMs starting hate, starting drama. <laughs> y'all just have this inner shame that y'all don't want to deal with. So go to 
therapy first before you come at my girl because I'm gonna be in your DMs. I, <laughs> I love it. Oh, actually, speaking of therapy, that's like big one is is that the field of psychology is considered like outside and fallen and and yeah. Wrong. And oh. I didn't even realize this until I was talking to my dad, and he basically said that to me. He was like actually i don't believe in psychology because there is no god in it and i'm just like whoa <laughs> that's scary right because then like pretty much anything goes like there's a lot of research that tells us like what people need to thrive what people need to be healthy what is abuse to people for human beings what <laughs> constitutes a human rights abuse um but if you just decide that oh that science is fake because it doesn't fit into my pure worldview it's mm -hmm. tainted with whatever you feel is tainting it then really anything goes in terms of how you can treat other people and how what kind of mistreatment you you will take as well and that just ties back into milieu control because they're limiting your access to information once again i don't know if you saw like i was telling renee about this before about the kid who killed his parents after that happened like i think the church was like in shock like wow mental health is real <laughs> um yeah. so they mm -hmm. sent out this video i don't know if you saw it about like safe could psychology you, and mental health could you fill me in on this story because i've really been out for a really long time i don't really know about this. i think Renee knows more, to be honest, but all I remember was hearing that some second gen, I think, killed his parents and had like a psychotic episode. So it yeah. kind of, yeah. I, okay, I heard from us, this is all, you know, telephone, hearsay. hearsay, rumor. And I think there was like a news article, but apparently like a kid had a mental breakdown, got an ax, and I don't know if this is right, but killed his parents in the middle of the night something like that mm -hmm. um and I mean I understand that kind of psychological pressure I'm not I'm not condoning it but yeah there definitely needs to be when you're in thought reform like you're gonna do anything to get out and if it's kill your parents that's what this it's it's directly linked to authoritarian control manipulation cultic abuse it's like oh my god okay so what happened with the church what did they release when they found out that this guy killed his parents oh yeah everyone started panicking like oh shoot like our kids are gonna kill us in our sleep <laughs> like we better do something oh <laughs> uh, so they released this video and my mom was like oh look they posted something about psychology and i was like huh and so i watched <laughs> It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever watched in my whole life. I need to find the video so you can link it to this podcast, but it was pretty yeah, much Yeah, I saying, would really like to see it. Yeah. It was just like, yes, mental health is important, guys. Take care of yourselves. Um, let, me, let us share the resources of what good psychology is and what safe psychology you can do. You know, like, um, and they just listed like, some big things like Christian psychologists or positive psychology, those, you can, you can go to those psychologists that practice that stuff, but everything else, we, we wouldn't really recommend it, but you know, take care of yourself, take care of yourself. <laughs> um, 
check up on your friends, you know, make sure they don't want to kill the parents or whatever. <laughs> um, it was just so stupid. Holy shit. I, I oh God, I have to find that for you guys. It, uh, wow. I just I was just, jump in and say like that I think, you know, it's, you know, we're not the only cult that is like, psychology is a little weird uh, I think that's like all religion right they, religion and yeah like you know there's also like kind of very notorious cult that is like very vehemently against um psychology but I don't want to say uh the name of it um, does it but, start with science yeah it does <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to get freaking harassed so oh my I'm god like, I'm not saying their name um, <laughs> but yeah so it's okay the more that they harass us the more we know that they feel guilty about something impure within themselves so y'all can flood our dms all you want <laughs> yeah oh my god um but wow. I do want I just want to say that I think like that that's part of that is because studying the science of psychology is such a, like a huge tool for deconstruction obviously um, yeah and I just wanted to drop like a couple things in case people are like what is some stuff I can learn about to help me with that process a couple of the things that really like helped me a lot when I was like taking like psych 101 <laughs> and I was like whoa okay there's like stuff to understand here um, is uh, Eric Erickson's stages of development and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Learn that shit because like, especially the hierarchy of needs, you realize like, oh, like being in an organization like this is telling me the exact opposite of this. It's telling me that I need to basically forego a lot of the things that I need to live, survive, thrive, all of it, so. Yeah, it's pretty much teaching you to impede your own development as a person. Absolutely. And it's telling you that it's not bad for you. It's the opposite. It's bringing you closer to the idea of perfection of like this ideal yes. Eve or Adam, right? Yes. The more pain we put ourselves through, the more we neglect our needs just eat one bowl of rice a day and oh my god you're you're that much closer to god no you like, should eat half a bowl of rice because moon gave half his bowl of rice away oh, in prison, right. or like he had like <laughs> three little beads of rice and he was good so i'm so glad you brought up maslow's hierarchy because i went to nursing school and i was still um i was still stuck in moon brain and when I learned about Maslow's high care I was like that's all backwards how do you have self-actualization at the top and then you have like food sex sleep shelter at the bottom like sex should be at the top like what's going on here um and yeah basically let's just lay it out real quick so at the bottom so Maslow's high care needs is shaped like a pyramid and it's psychological safety, love and belonging, esteem and self-actualization at the top. But at the bottom, you have like things like food, water, sex, sleep. And then for safety, it's like uh, family safety, employment safety, financial safety, economic safety, physical safety. And then there's love and belonging, which is actually a need. <laughs> Friendship, um, yeah, yeah. And then esteem comes when you have all of those things like self-esteem, self-respect, respect for others, confidence. Um, and then, and then you have self-actualization, integration of self. You can be morally 
a good person. You can be creative. You can be a leader. And I was like, what the hell? So the scientific method is so opposite of the cult method. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good method to jump into. I think. I actually never noticed that until you guys pointed that out right now. I'm like, hold on. How did I not see that before? <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy. Oh man. And Eric Erickson, that was my favorite. He was my favorite person because I love saying Eric, Eric twice, <laughs> <laughs> but also but like the, the thing that, uh, the thing that hit it for me really hard was learning that if you, for any reason, had to skip a stage of development, then it is actually really healthy to be able to regress and experience that stage of a de development because you need that to like develop as a person yes yeah. and the basis of eric erickson's developmental stages i believe the first stage is trust versus mistrust yes okay so i think as a child a lot of us were neglected and this trust versus mistrust was huge like i was so untrustworthy of others i was so also codependent and neurotic and toxic because of all of these like lack of being able to trust myself when i first got out of the cult so learning about eric erickson and then learning that you can actually go back and reparent and regress and be kind to yourself mm -hmm. yeah. it was a very compassionate yeah. and forgiving and healing experience and totally the opposite of the demand for purity. There is no forgiveness there. Yeah. It's so funny because, you know, the whole idea of understanding trust and like being able to trust our caregivers and stuff like that, it also teaches you how to have hope. And it's funny that that's like the first thing that they're destroying <laughs> is your hope <laughs> um, by making you learn that your caregivers, the people who are in charge of you, your, um, what are they called again? That you say you report to your central, central figure, figure. central figure, mm -hmm. right? That they're the ones who are going to hurt you the most and they teach you to associate right. the people who are caring for you as the people who are going to hurt you the most. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you deserve it. You should expect punishment. Yep. And yeah, I, I really didn't trust myself either. I couldn't trust my own senses. I think that was the most fundamentally like destructive thing about whatever happened in the, the cult. Yes. Oh my God. The mind versus body, the mind and body unity stuff, right? I was put in martial arts like super young because they were like, yeah, you need to learn how to have mind body unity. It's connected to everything because you're going to be tempted by the outside world, by fallen nature, blah, 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 right? I, and I'm like, I thought I was born without sin. <laughs> right? Right? What the fuck? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> perfect. What? So mistrusting. Like, tell us that we're this and then pound it into us that we suck. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I still do not understand that at all. Okay, so we're born without sin. We're engrafted onto Moon's lineage through his semen in the wine ceremony thing, blah, 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 blah. Did you guys know about that? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Girl, okay. I have and an original cup of that wine. I was like, $400 to go get it tested for semen. Mm, uh, mm. You know, like people who don't know, by the way, like you can ask your parents, ask first gen. They know that like Sun and Young Moon used to put his semen in the holy wine that that people drink <laughs> at these blessing ceremonies so um yeah like i 
take what you want with that information I I'm at a loss for words no when but it's, that- it's been so diluted like you might if you're lucky get one little swimmer like one little bit of protein if you're lucky <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding I'm can so you kidding. imagine how many times you had to oh. <laughs> they probably just got their little uh sex ceremony hankies from the the three-day <laughs> ceremony oh and like wash them and squeeze them out <laughs> that's kidding. why you don't wash them <laughs> you oh. don't wash them Nah, you get all that good juice. You get all that that Satan juice. Save it for your ants and for your. your... I'm gonna throw up. (laughs) People who don't know. Okay, let's keep going. Cult of confession. I'm I'm happy with the purity talk. Wait, but we we should talk about the three day ceremony though. Oh, should we? Yeah. Do we have to? It's kind of (laughs) nasty. Honestly, that was the reason why I didn't want to get blessed at first because I found out about that and I had a boyfriend and I was like, because uh, you have to do that if you marry someone who's not also second gen, right? If you marry a first gen or just someone outside the church in general, you have to do the three-day ceremony. And I didn't know what it was at first and then I, I, I saw the document like with the instructions and everything and I was like, Bleh. <laughs> I I will never forget the line that was like, "Oh, you don't have to." What do I say like, "You don't have to ejaculate to keep going. You just just keep going," or something like that. Yeah, like you don't have to finish, pretty much. But um, just keep going. And then this, it doesn't matter what position you do, except for when you're doing this, because you have to do this position so you can rebirth your husband as uh, the original Adam without sin. <laughs> I was like, "Oh." <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> so nasty. Damn. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Have yeah, you guys no. read it? Yeah, this is the sex cult part. This is where the sex yeah. cult part comes in. And the whole time, Moon and Hawk John have to be like staring at you like through their oh, picture yeah. like you have right. to do it in front of their picture then you have to get the holy hanky and wipe up all your nasty juices and then save that in a ziploc bag <laughs> for three days you cannot wash this like cloth for three days yeah it's you just to wipe each other with it yeah yeah it's just prescribed sex and like the holy mm-hmm. candle and the, yeah it's gross it's just moon just like wanted to be in everybody's bedroom really that's what this is and like that's really what it is he just cult leaders are so obsessed with people's like sex lives and he realized couldn't be everywhere at once so he's just like yeah here's the here's the prescription guys yeah i'm watching you one more thing on like um, one more note on demand for purity too kind of like the the thing that has come up maybe on a few different podcasts but the thing about um uh moon telling parents to have sex in front of their kids um do you remember when this i think i took this maybe you're like young, younger yeah i took this yeah. so seriously i took this i took this more seriously than anybody in my family oh, <laughs> oh my god, god. <laughs> what yo so moon was like yeah for in the kingdom of heaven on earth like people should be able to fornicate in front of their parents and it'd be like yeah whatever yes. it's fun and games and it's pure and like orgies all around like i think he was testing the waters to see how far he could go to push us into an orgy like Honestly, I never even i never even considered that oh that, really that, that was i like think he was pro- like progressing yeah i just always thought it i mean i know the origins but i always thought it was just like part of the weird culture of like our 
elders was that they were like really sexually repressed but also like but sex is great and we should high five about it they were fucking freaks yo they were freaks (laughs) (laughs) like you know without the internet i think people got real fucking freaky like so so i think we wanted to go back to that and he's like hey guys what do you think about my idea (laughs) (laughs) holy shit okay so i heard this speech right and my dad had just gotten replaced i was like yeah fuck yeah let's do it (laughs) but they were like you're so weird i'm like well true father big sky daddy just said (laughs) (laughs) why did you just call this (laughs) (laughs) so like one time my parents were fucking right and we were in a house that was like being remodeled so the doors were off its hinges like oh my god so like I always lived in a house that was being remodeled like this shit is not even like a joke but anyways so I just like run into my parents room and I'm like hey guys what's up they're just like they cover up they cover up and I'm like what sky daddy said like y'all can fuck in front of me it's fine But also, okay, when you said covering up, I feel like this other thing has been mentioned a bunch of times, which is like the story of like Moses. Yes, Abraham or whatever, Noah. That's the story that was going through my brain. It was like, yeah, Yeah. what was, who was it? Was it Abraham or was it Noah? Abraham and his two sons. It was for sure Noah. It was, okay, Noah was sleeping naked. And this was the exact image that went through my mind when I saw my parents. drunk. Yeah, he, he got drunk. Had, had a night with some wild women is uh-huh. also part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was sleeping butt ass naked with his wiener all hanging out. Like, and then his son came in and his son got embarrassed, right? He's like, cover up, dad. What the fuck? And that's when God was like, you should not shame your father for his mm. giant schlong. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like okay cool like yeah I can do that that's a weird thing (laughs) yeah so anyways yeah so that's the example of that story like like gone wrong like I was like yeah everybody should fuck (laughs) I was like 13 maybe I was 12 I think I was 12 in my case I remember we were reading that speech and it was actually like in, in a in someone's like home someone else's family's like home church like hundoke reading situations so there's like multiple adults and other like people who are like a little older than me and we're reading this and we're all just kind of like and but then like you know everyone because of this demand for purity it's like well it came from reverend moon it can't be impure so we have to now rationalize it i think that's also a huge part maybe specifically within this cult is saying completely crazy things that are not good for people not healthy and then like we got to rationalize it so actually this is like the kingdom of heaven actually you know actually this is the most pure act of love ever and god is ejaculating with all of us right now and if we all do it at the same time it's like one giant godly orgasm so it makes sense it's gonna be awesome And we're going to talk about this, but you cannot even (laughs) think about kissing or talking to someone that you're attracted to. So 
that's <laughs> yeah it's so bizarre it's mm-hmm. so compartmentalized dissociated it's just like y'all if you didn't see the contradictions between it, it, none of this shit makes any sense can I just say like this all reminds me of how no offense but like how disgusting level three is to me like I think you're the only one who's gone through it Renee right but like the stories I hear the the idea that our whole life we cannot look at a boy or in their direction right can't breathe near him and then boom suddenly you are engaged stranger so you got to go to level three and learn how to um how to bang (laughs) you know and then so suddenly it's like yeah sex is great do sex all the time um sex is so um makeup sex angry sex I remember they just started talking about this weird stuff during level two and they're like oh my god this is so level three and I was just like what are we what is happening right now like I I do not like that and then as soon as you're blessed boom people are pregnant like that like and I don't know if you guys have heard the idea that some people in our church don't believe in contraception or whatever right that you're not supposed to use that and that's why so many families have a whole bunch of kids or whatever (laughs) Ah, I wow. just, I get I so, on it. yeah, it's so gross to me. It's like first, like your whole life, you're seen as this pure, in, like pure child. And then all of a sudden you're sold off to another family's son. And now you're expected to make children, uh, even though you've never held a boy's hand in your life. And then random first gen will just come up to you and be like, oh yeah. When are the kids coming? Oh, oh, you oh guys are, my God. You Have guys you started are family now? Like, are you guys fucking? Are you guys? Yeah. Like, like, isn't it so great? Like, oh, oh my God. Oh, so inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I went to the blessing workshop, it wasn't categorized as one, two, three yet. So we all, uh-huh. we had the disgusting, you should, you know, all that talk right from the get go. Um, But yeah, it was really disturbing because I was like, are you being sexually abused and telling us that we need to be sexually abused too because none of us know boundaries or consent um so yeah it was yeah very destructive very destructive I remember hearing about like this woman complaining that I don't know things in her relationship were kind of rocky or something like that and that her husband wanted um head oral sex whatever and that it was causing problems because she didn't feel comfortable doing that and then the leadership pretty much told her like well you have to like that's your husband there's kind of not any other answer here you have to do it (laughs) you know it's a huge grooming operation for sure yeah and I think that that ties back to Nobusuke Kishi running a sex slave operation and being Moon's right-hand man in Japan and then like grooming a whole generation of Moony women to be comfort women sex slaves can't say no uh and then we're the children so like of course we didn't learn like consent uh right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a whole 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 journey that is a whole journey. Um, I'm sure we've all like had to find out for ourselves what our boundaries were when saying no. It's okay to say no. You don't have to perform for anybody. I just feel bad because like thinking about all the families, all the couples, I'm like, how many 
like young second gen just had sex for the first time because it was the expectation and got pregnant like even though they probably weren't ready right or never had any sort of like experience before and then just kind of thrown into this world like because boom level three said like hey it's okay now sex is super cool do that as soon as you get blessed it's good to go now it's holy now it's not bad (laughs) um and And also just like the converse of that too from like my own experience of my first times like being intimate even just kissing someone were filled with so much shame and guilt and because it was like outside of what is like pure and right and I you know having been fed all of that and so like yeah that was like such a huge hurdle it was like the first time I like held hands or kissed someone it was just like oh no (laughs) you know (laughs) which is pretty common for um those of us who grew up in this call but yeah um yeah you couldn't even enjoy the moment with someone you probably really liked and it's just now this horrible experience just because you associate it with shame and everything like that Mm -hmm. and I can imagine as a Jacob's child you probably associated that with you being a Jacob's child like oh like I'm doing bad things or whatever or maybe people people probably said that right like I can I can imagine the things people probably said oh because she's a Jacob's child makes sense right like and that's just the kind of culture behind my back but yeah that's the other thing is all the fucking gossip (laughs) but yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. the gossiping bitches (laughs) right which is the illusion of an omniscient god remember exactly yes that shit was a trip i was like oh my god that makes so much sense our god is a spiteful savage bitchy Mm -hmm. bunch of asian women (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh my god and brooding asian businessman like that's our god hey guys we're at the top of the hour i'm gonna stop you here i just want you to think about what you've heard what you've listened to think about the god in the unification church that allows for the segregation and discrimination of children in the demand and pursuit of purity think about that for a second Children were segregated from birth as Jacob's children, blessed children, and secular children. That is a very good example of anything done in the pursuit of purity, no matter how discriminatory, no matter how violent, no matter how destructive it is, is deemed a moral act. Remember that. Please take a second before you jump into the next episode to just have some critical thought about what we've talked about, how it makes you feel. I want you to have some critical thought about the demand for purity and how that might have applied to your life or is applying to your life. If you don't agree with us, good. I want to challenge your worldview. I want to trigger you. I want you to use the scientific method. I want you to observe I want you to hypothesize. I want you to test and analyze and retest. I want you to have evidence-based practice when it comes to how you carry yourself, your life of faith. If things are stacking up against your belief system, it might be time to change that belief system. So 
Just take a second right now to think about all the things you heard about before you jump into the next episode. Also remember, this is a good time to like, subscribe, share, or join my Patreon to support the show. I do all of this from the spare time I have as being an artist, a nurse, and a mom. So any support is appreciated. If you don't have any monetary support to give, please go to Instagram and like the Blush Child podcast. Have some interaction with the posts and that'll do a lot to boost my morale because Hawk just right. I've been getting a lot of shitty DMs. So yeah, in the meantime, take care of your mental health. I'm doing my best too and uh, I'll talk to you guys again soon.